Uh, the reading this morning is taken from uh, Galatians chapter 5 and verses um, what is it, 13, I think, to 25. So Galatians 5. So let me find it in the old... Sorry about this. Lost my page. I slipped in there. So Galatians 5. So I say, live by the... Sorry, 13. Galatians 5.13. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbour as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. Sorry? So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, Jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And Joel will um, yeah, come and bring us some um, preaching this morning. Thanks, Joel. We good? Yeah. Morning, everyone. How you all doing? Just put this down. Let me get sorted. Um, it's good to have you all here. It's good to be able to speak this morning. I always—it's a privilege just to be able to, I guess, preach and to share God's word with you. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Joel. I get to be on staff here and looking after all the youth ministry, and I'm pumped. I'm pumped for another year. Actually, I sort of had a couple of weeks off and. Towards the end of the last year, I was a bit like, uh, you know, it's you know, a long year. But now, I've had a couple of weeks off and I'm pumped for another year. I'm pumped to just get involved with ministry and mission and to see that lived out here in our context, which is exciting. Um, if you haven't been with us um, for a bit, we're still on our journey through the Bible. So we've been basically as a church going through the whole Bible in a year. So there's daily readings that we all have, and, um, and then we preach on what we've read. And don't celebrate too much, but we're on our last bookmarks. They're, they're even single-sided. There's three weeks to go. So even if you feel like you haven't done so well, if you're like me and you've drifted away, you like started good, and then holidays came and you just haven't read anything, you know, I'll put my hand up. I'm guilty. Um, but 
There's a chance. Three weeks, get back on track. The last few books of the New Testament, they're good reads. So can you guys just pass these out? And there's also a few countries that we've been sort of praying for countries throughout the world. So the last few countries are there as well. So that'll be fantastic. And then as you know, for this morning, we're going through Galatians. So the last few weeks, Andrew's been speaking. Um, he's, we've sort of done Acts, and then he's done Romans, then did 1 Corinthians last week, and so this week we're looking at Galatians. And it's sort of neat that he's done it that way. This is unintentional, but hopefully if you've been here, you sort of got a bit of a glimpse of sort of the progression and the growth of the early church. And essentially, you know, Galatians is written right into that context. And even if you haven't been here, basically the early church, you know, born in Acts, started in Acts, is there. It's essentially a Jewish Christianity right at the start. It's a whole bunch of Jesus followers that are from uh, Israel. They're Jewish and they become Christians. They follow Jesus and essentially what we have is a Jewish Christianity. They're still going to the temple. They still follow much of the law around food and all that sort of stuff. And, and they're living, but they're still Christians. They believe in Jesus, but it's a predominantly a Jewish sort of expression of that. And then as Acts goes on, that begins to change. And Acts 10 is probably with a big turning point where Peter goes out. Um, he has a dream. Some of you may remember he has a dream where this sheep comes down and he sees these animals and he's like, what's going on? I can't eat them. They're unclean and God's going to eat them. And essentially, he then goes to Cornelius, who is this Gentile God-fearer. So he sort of believes in God, but he's not Jewish or anything. And then he becomes a Christian and his family become Christian and the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And, you know, sort of the phrases Peter uses that, you know, God doesn't show favoritism and that, you know, even salvation has come to the Gentiles. So he comes back to Jerusalem and tells them all about that the gospel, that the good news of Jesus, that the Holy Spirit is coming upon even people that aren't Jewish. However, then this begins to sort of cause a bit of um, challenges, thank you, um, in terms of okay, what do we do now? Do we still follow the law if they don't follow the law, but God's still is sort of with them? And all this stuff. And so Acts 15, which Andrew talked about a few weeks ago, is sort of the council of Jerusalem where they all come in and, and basically they decide that you don't need to be sort of circumcised. You don't need to follow the law to be a Christian. And that we're saved by faith through grace. And so what we get now in Galatians is essentially Paul writing about that particular issue, that there's a group of people going around saying that you need to be circumcised. They were sort of the Judaizers, and they were sort of going around saying, Paul's wrong, don't listen to Paul, don't believe what he said, but you need to be circumcised, you need to follow the law. And so then Paul writes back pretty strongly and says, actually, wait a minute, and he explains everything. And thank goodness he did, because then we get the letter of Galatians. And it's this context and this, this idea that we get a lot of the language of, you know, what we read. You know, that we're sinful nature, the law, freedom, spirit. 
and the big thing that we're saved by grace through faith. I guess that's the first thing that we need to understand, that we are saved, and I think we get that. We get the whole idea that we're saved from our sins. But one of the big things I think that we read here and that we'll look at in a bit is that we're not just saved from something. We're not just saved from our sins, but we're saved into something. I think that's really important that we get that. We're not just saved from something, we're saved into something. And that's a relationship with God. You see, we get sort of the John 3.16 gospel, essentially. we, We all sort of pretty much know that. God loves us. He sent His Son. He died for us. We believe in Him and go to heaven, and we don't believe we go to hell. Like, you know, most of the times as Christians, we get that, and we sort of operate with that sort of thinking. And, and while it's totally true, there's no doubt that it's true, there's also much more to it. And it's not just that we're saved from our sins so that we go to heaven, but we're saved from our sins so that we can have a relationship with God now. We're not just saved from something, we're saved into something. And just at the start of Galatians, we're going to read that. Um, so the start of chapter 5. Because sort of Paul picks up this argument and then he goes on a bit of a tangent and then he comes back to it. So 5 verse 1, it says this, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So in some sense, the whole of Galatians sort of comes to its climax sort of in this, in this verse and in this chapter. You know, people have been going around saying, you need to come back to the law. You need to, be, you need to be circumcised. You need to do these things. And Paul's saying, no, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And, you know, as we read in, in verse 18, that we're not just free to do what, we're, we, we, what we want, or in verse 13 even, you know, we're not just free to sort of indulge our sinful nature. We're not just free to do whatever we want. But we are free to live with God. You know, he says, don't be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Don't be burdened again by the law, by religion, by trying to do the right things, by trying to please God, by trying to tick off the box, by trying to control your own sort of destiny. No, he says, live by the Spirit. You know, it's all throughout. Live by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. It's have that relationship. It's about that language of walking with God. See, Jesus died for our sins, not so that we would just fall back into the Lord, fall back into a religion. Essentially, that's what sort of human nature in some ways is to come back to religion, is to come back to trying to do things, trying to please God, trying to keep the gods happy, trying to do things our own way so that we're in control. We tick off the box, we follow the laws, we do the right things, and we sort of drift back to that. But it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Do not be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Don't come back into the law but you've been set free to live a relationship with God. It's not just freedom to do what you want, but it's freedom to live with God. You know, it's this picture of a cage. If you want to chuck the next slide. And 
I remember, it's, I don't know how I remember this, but I would have been less than eight. I don't even know what age, but I like probably about five or six. We're living in Jan and Close in Knoxfield, and um, we had this birdcage. Yeah. We had a little bird in it. And I remember one day, I opened the door, and it flew out. And I freaked. Like, I'm, I don't know, I'm not a huge animal fan. And, like, it was flying around everywhere. Mum's stressing out. There's this bird in there flying around the house. We don't know how to get it back in its cage and all this stuff. And I'm just like, Ooh! It was quite a traumatic experience, obviously. That's why I remember it. But there's this sense that, you know, it's almost a picture of our lives. You know, Jesus has set us free. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. You know, he's come, he's unlocked the cage. Sin's power defeated, our sinful nature crucified. You know, this cage of sin, this cage of religion, of law, of our flesh, our sinful nature, whatever we want to call it, Jesus came and it's defeated. The chains are broken, the door's unlocked, flung wide open, and we sit in the cage. We, we come back to it. We, we indulge our sinful nature. The acts of the flesh, you know, we do them. The religion thing, we do it. The law thing, we just come back to it because I don't know why. Maybe it's comfortable. Maybe it's, we see it as fun. Maybe you know, it's easier some ways. See, Christ set us free for freedom, to sort of get out of the cage and to live with Him, not to just sit in the cage and waste away. Christ has set us free to live in freedom. Not freedom to do what we want, but to live with Him. In a relationship, a relationship that gives life, that bears fruit. You know, we don't have to try and earn anything. We don't have to try and please God. God is pleased, but only through Jesus. We can't do it ourselves. You know, there's, there's no sort of boxes to tick off. There's no laws to follow. He just says, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's that relationship, loving him, not just doing things. But here's the thing, we're saved from our sin, we're saved into this relationship, this relationship brings life, it bears fruit, but we need to fly out of the cage. We need to sort of leave the religious boxes that we've created and we need to fly out the cage, but so often the cage is comfortable. You know, you can't sort of get hurt in the cage, you can't fall and hit the ground in the cage You know, in the cage, we can't really stuff up. In, this, in the cage, we look, you know, we look good on the outside. You know, and that's the thing. You know, we can, we can tick off the boxes. We can sort of do the Christian thing. We can do the right things. We can read our Bible, pray. We can go on a missions trip. We can serve in church. We can do all this. And it looks like we're a Christian on the outside, but so often we can still be in the cage. You know, you can do 
all those things and in some ways not have a relationship with God. And that's scary. That's scary for me. You know, working in a church, being at Bible college last year, you know, doing all the Christian things, and yet I cannot have a relationship with God. You know, you can do all the right things. And, you know, I, last year there was times when my relationship with God was nearly non-existent, even though every day I was doing another Christian thing. Because I'd just come back into the cage. I'd just come back to sort of doing things my own way and not walking daily with God. Essentially, it's, I guess, the nature of our lives. And um, this next slide, like, I use this all the time. I use this for everything because it helps me sort of understand sort of, I think, how, oft, how our, our lives work and how our worlds work. And, you know, it's kingdom of darkness, kingdom of God. You know, it's essentially sin, Jesus. It's our flesh versus our life in the spirit. And we sort of live in the tension of both. That in me, I have a sinful nature, albeit that it's defeated and crucified at the cross. It still exists. It's still there. And I still have the Holy Spirit in me as well. So I have sort of these both worlds, these both realities sort of at war within me. You know, it says that in verse 17. They are in conflict with each other. So I have these both things within me. And we see it in our world as well, that both these realities exist and both these realities sort of pull at each other. And I guess we need to realize that in me, there is a tendency, there is a, a side of me that sort of is bent towards sin almost. Jesus has conquered it. It doesn't have power, but it still exists. You know, and, and Paul lists it there in verse 19, the acts of the flesh obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, and it goes on. And then it ends up, it says this, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. When we live like that, it leads us away from God. In the end, it's sort of destructive. And we can see that. While a lot of those things you know, sometimes at the start, they just seem natural or they just seem fun. One drink, it's not that bad. It's a bit of fun. But you, you carry that on, you go down that path long enough and you see how destructive it gets. That sin in its nature is destructive. Yet we look at our culture around us. We look, you know, I was thinking Australia Day. That's great. Let's, let's do some, sorry, my nana told me off the other day because I said, Australia. Well, that's just how you say it, right? You say Australia. No, Australia. So, sorry, Nana. Sorry. <laughs> All right? So Australia Day, you know, we're looking at it, and I thought, okay, let's, let's have a look at Australia. Let's have a look at, you know, what our, what our country is like, sort of a bit deeper than, you know, it's a lucky country, and it's good, and there's lots of good things, no doubt. And here's the thing. 22% of Australia which is roughly 4.7 million people, on the latest census in 2011 said that there's no religion. Didn't just leave the question blank, didn't just, you know, not answer, didn't just tick any random box, no religion. 
And they then say whether they're atheist, agnostic, or whatever. 4.7 million people in Australia. That was a few years ago. It's probably a bit more, maybe. But even then, it doesn't sound too bad. Like, one in five people. Okay, it's bad, obviously, but what about the rest? So the census says that 61% of Australia, which is 13, just over 13 million, they're Christian. 13 million. I was like blown away. Uh, that includes sort of five, just over 5 million Roman Catholics and also includes sort of every branch of Christianity, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses, um, Mormons, Anglicans, us, everything, Uniting Church, all of them. But then you dig a bit deeper, and this is what I found really interesting. So of that 61%, less than one in seven attend church regularly. So basically, 1.8 million people attend church regularly. And according to the survey, regular, once a month. Less than once a month is regular. That's survey standards, not Joel standards, just letting you know. So basically it's this, 92% of Australia don't attend church regularly, or at least once a month. 92% of Australia. Now, I'm not saying that attending church makes you a Christian. But if you are a Christian, you attend church, you know. You know, you know that you need that community, you know you need that to be fed, you know you need that support, and you want to serve, and you want to get involved, <clears throat> it's what you do. So the reason I sort of point that out is that basically we could say that 90%, 92% are living in the blue side with no concept of the red side. They want nothing to do with it. So all around us, there are people that are just living for the flesh. They're living, doing whatever they want. And the thing is, it creeps into our lives. It's, nat- it's sort of natural, you know, you're around school and all your friends aren't living it out and it's just sort of natural just to try and blend in, try to be liked and try to be cool, whether it's at our workplace and, you know, no one wants to stand out too much in our society. You don't have to have too many conversations with people in churches to, before you hear something of gossip, you know. We did the thing with our young adults last year on necessary sins, you know, and just how, how, e- how sort of easy sin has just become just a part of what you do. If you don't feel like going to work, oh, I'm sick. No, you're not. You just don't feel like going to work and you don't want your image to be sort of tainted by the fact that that, and you just easily lie about it. Lust becomes just a part of what we do. You look at someone, oh, you know, she's all right. Or I want what they've got. I want that, I want this, I want that, and we just envy about everything. So we need to realize our own brokenness. We need to realize that we have a tendency to sin, that we have a tendency to sort of independence, autonomy, that we've been set free, but we just use our freedom to do what we want. But Paul's saying, don't use your freedom to indulge your sinful nature. You know, you've been set free, don't come back under, don't come back into the cage, but walk with me. 
Walk by the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. It's language of a relationship. It's language of walking with God daily. And here's the thing, and this is what I sort of want to land a bit at. You know, 92% of Australia need to hear the gospel. You know, picture 10 people in your workplace or in your school, your soccer club, sporting club, whatever it is. Picture 10 people, nine of them desperately need to hear the gospel. Not just hear it, but they need to see it. Not only that, because 92% are living one way, all for their flesh, all for the here and the now. But if we're calling ourselves Christians, if we're, if we're believing that there's another kingdom about, then our lives are going to look different. See, 92% of Australia don't need another group of people just doing their religious tasks, sitting in their cage, saying, you need to go to church, and you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do that. But they need to see people who are radically transformed by the love of Jesus and who are living in a relationship with Him daily. I think I've used this quote before, but every time I just come back to it, it's Brendan Manning. It says this, The single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is people who confess Jesus with their lips and deny Him by their lifestyle. It's what an unbelieving world finds unbelievable. The fact that we can say this, and we can say we believe in a God who loves us and who cares for us, who sent His Son to die for our sins. We say all these things, yet we don't live it out. And they're not just, not just living it out in religious tasks, but living it out in that relationship that we talk about. If God loves us, then we walk with Him. And you probably think, okay, so what do I do? What does a relationship with God look like? And I was sort of almost tempted to say, I can't tell you. Because <laughs> as soon as I tell, as soon as we say that, we sort of create a task again. You know, it's classic, you know, throughout youth group. Throughout, you know, as kids, what do we teach them? You read your Bible and you pray. And that's how you grow closer to God. And it's true, but it's also that we've just created another task for them to do and we've sort of created this religion box again. So what do you say? Don't read your Bible and pray. No, you know, last week we talked about disciplines. Andrew talked about disciplines. And one of the things my lecturers used to say is, disciplines don't bring you closer to God, but they do bring you closer to God. You know, just because you do this thing doesn't mean you get closer to God. But if you do this thing, you'll get closer to God. And you probably need to think about that for five years like I have. And I've finally sort of been like, oh, that's what he meant. Um, Seriously, I hated that guy. Um, but just because you read your Bible doesn't mean you're going to go closer to God. But I think it comes more about, okay, how do you do it? Do, you re- do we read our Bible just as a religious thing? Okay, I've done my chapters for the day, tick. Or that was good information, tick. Or do we do it sort of with more of a relational focus? Do we ask God, okay, what, what are you saying? Do we sort of pause, reflect on it, think about it, 
take it with us throughout the day. We read something and, okay, throughout the day, I'm going to think about that. It's not about how much I read, but it's about how, how much of God do I know as I read. You know, throughout the Psalms, there's this language of meditate. Meditate on God's Word day and night. It's not about sitting there like this with your legs crossed or anything. But it's about thinking about it, reflecting on it, chewing on it. What I read today, am I chewing on it throughout the day? And maybe it's just that you read one verse and you chew on it. You think about it. God, what are you saying? We're asking God, okay, what, what are you saying through your work? You know, prayer, the same. How often does our prayer life just become another relig- religious thing that we do? Here's my list of things. God, if you could do a couple of them, that'd be great. We, we repeat the same prayer day and night. We have our same structure. We have our neat order, our words that we use. Yeah, and I'm guilty of it as well. You know, if you, if you listen to my prayers, you could probably just listen to one and you've heard them all sort of thing, you know? Or do we, do we take time just to listen to God? You know, do we take time just to be still and know that He is God? Well, throughout the Psalms, you know, once again, Psalms is a great expression of one guy's, predominantly one guy's relationship with God. And you know what his prayer life is? It's just honest. Brutally honest. God, why are you doing this? God, I can't feel your presence. Where are you? Or it's, God, you've done this. Thank you. But it's brutally honest. And I think our prayer life needs to be get more like that. And it's not just about sending off our list and hoping it gets done. It's not about just thanking Him for the same thing every day, but it's about being just honest about our lives. So what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? You know, we have this tendency in us, we have this sinful nature in us and we so often we just give in just live like the rest of the world around us and so we come to the cross you know verse 24 those who belong to christ jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires you see this picture is a bit deceiving because it sort of puts two equal circles almost but the cool thing is, is that they're not equal. It's not a fair fight. That God, God is so much stronger. In fact, you know, the darkness has been defeated. The cross is there because sin is it's finished, Jesus said. It is finished. It is done. You know, when we are tempted, God promises that there's a way out. He promised us to give us life in all of its fullness because the kingdom is stronger. God's spirit within you is stronger. You know, the same power that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you. But I think sometimes it requires us to sort of decide that we're going to step out of the cage. I'm not just going to live for myself. I'm going to step out. You know, 
The grass is greener on God's side. A life with Him is better. A relationship with Him daily is what we need. And we need to believe that. We need to believe that nothing in this world can satisfy me. You know, look at the 92%. Look at our world. Look at our country. No one's satisfied. Everyone wants, you know, the richest person is not rich enough. He wants more. The most popular person is still lonely. You know, no one is, you know, deeply satisfied with life. You know, C.S. Lewis says this, If I find in myself desires, nothing in this world can satisfy. I can only conclude that I was not made for this world. And that's the truth, isn't it? We're not. We're not made for this world. We're made for God and His kingdom of heaven. You know, Augustine said it this way, our hearts are restless until they find rest in Him. So along with Paul, I urge us to keep in step with the Spirit. You know, verse 16, walk by the Spirit. Verse 18, be led by the Spirit. Verse 25, live by the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. And we see the word Spirit sometimes we freak out a bit. We're like, oh, we're not sure about the whole super Pentecostal thing and stuff like that. You know, we're nice and reformed. But it's not, it's not about getting weirded out. It's not about doing all these sort of crazy, you know, praying in tongues. Like, how bad's that? You know, sorry, I shouldn't say. You know, it's not about doing all that crazy stuff. Maybe it is for some people. But, you know, it's more about, okay, walk with God. That's the language. Keep in step with the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. It's walking with God who lives in you. The Holy Spirit is within us, so walk with it. Will we, will we fly out of the cage and experience freedom? Not just freedom to do what we want, but freedom that God offers as we live with Him. You know, I'll leave you one, one last picture, and we're going to sort of sing a song based on this, you know, oceans. And it's um, an awesome song, and beautiful words, and it's based on this picture of, P- of Peter walking on water. You know, for Peter, his boat was his livelihood. You know, it's where he'd grown up. He'd, his dad most likely was a fisherman. He grew up as a fisherman. You know, it's his comfort zone. And throughout Jewish writings, the, pictures, the image of water, of oceans, is this image of chaos. You know, and Jesus is walking on the water and he calls Peter out. And Peter's, you know, Peter's like, if, if that's you, if it's really you, call me out there. So Jesus says, all right, come. And Peter steps onto the water. We don't know how long. But you can imagine the experience. Imagine walking on water. Is that not like the coolest thing you could ever do? <laughs> but then doubt creeps in. He gets unsure. His feet stumble. He starts to sink. Immediately, Jesus reaches out his hand and grabs him. So I guess the question is this. Will, will you step out of the boat? Will you you step out of the cage? Will you get out of the comfort zone? And will you step into a relationship with Christ? 
And here's the thing, you might have your doubts. You might have your struggles. It's not going to be easy. He promises persecution, suffering. You know, it's not going to be easy. But even in the doubts, even if we fail, even if we sink a bit, Jesus saves us. It's not up to us. Jesus will save us and he won't let us fall. So we can trust him. We can have faith and we can step out into the freedom, into the life that God has for us and into that daily relationship, that daily relationship with God that bears fruit, that bears fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. I know how much I need that in my life. But I think I, I, I now know that I can't just get it myself. But it's a fruit that comes from walking with Christ. So I'm going to invite our youth band up. We're going to sing this song. Now those words, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wonder. That my faith would be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. It's not that we're just doing this on ourselves, but we're doing it in the presence of God as we walk with Him. I'm going to invite you guys to stand. And just as we sing this song, I encourage you to just reflect on your relationship with God. Wherever you may be, I don't know all of you, I don't know where you're all at, but just take, use this song to reflect on your relationship with God. And that these words there would become your prayer. And if you need to sit, if you need to fall on your knees, if you need to lie down, you know, like I said, I'm not, we're not going to make rules here. You know, Connect with God how you need to connect with Him. But take this time to ask God, you know, what is it you want me from me? Take this time to say to God, I'm willing to walk with you. May our faith become stronger in the presence of our Saviour.